to Diversity Connects Us. This podcast highlights lived experiences and inspirational stories of strength and tenacity. We will share profound and courageous dialogues that influence diversity, equity, and inclusion by breaking the barriers and labels of stereotypes, confronting biases, and offering best practices to achieve a more significant, cultural, and emotionally intelligent mindset. Welcome to part two of Optimize DEI. Have you ever wondered how to optimize DEI? You might also be wondering what this has to do with HR. That illustrates the many facets of DEI and how to bridge the gap. We are excited to have you here with us today. This conversation has many of you buzzing for more. We value your feedback. Drop them in the chat or in the comment boxes on social media. We intend to respond to as many comments as possible. This takes a great effort to pull off, so I'm eternally grateful to all my loyal guests. Follow us, Diversity Connects Us, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and all the other podcast directories. My name is Rochelle Carrier, and I'm a DEI consultant and EQ coach and authoress of Emotional Intelligence, a toolkit for managing diversity, equity, and inclusion. The link to purchase the books will be in the comments. For a living, I help organizations implement DEI plans, help them reframe their cultural mindsets through thought-provoking workshops and webinars. Join us as we share the different voices in the DEI space. Christopher E., thank you again for your great comments. So here, he says the great resignation has played a part into how retention is thought of, especially in the diversity. How are you explaining to talent not to leave an organization during the storm? If they weather the storm, you are more marketable to the organization relating to leveling up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Christopher, I might need to like personally invite you to like every speaking opportunity. You have some very thoughtful questions. I think the first one, though, I would have to say is I want to decouple that, which is how are we explaining to talent not to leave the organization in the middle of the storm? The first thing I would say is we recognize at Greenhouse that while people are here under our care, that we are developing and grooming people first leaders who will grow and bloom into roles outside of the greenhouse. We recognize that. And one of the things that I'm encouraged by is that we don't take that lightly. In fact, our hope is that we were able to plant other people first leaders in other companies and cultures where you will see something transformative about that particular leader that then somewhat influences shifting that culture more towards being people first or by amplifying the people first culture that's already present in that organization. So we're not trying to tell talent they shouldn't leave in the middle of the storm. Me joining Greenhouse, I joined in the middle of this macroeconomic storm. To the question around like, will they be more marketable to the organization and leveling up? I think that's also a great question, Christopher. My thought process there is loyalty alone should not make someone more marketable to their organization. It should be their impact and their contributions. And I think for so long, diverse groups have struggled in growing in their careers because they have been told that you have to serve a minimum requirement 
to be demonstrated as loyal or someone who wants to grow their career at one specific company. And I think for me, I reject those notions. It should be focused on impact. And how do you play nicely in the sandbox? And do you demonstrate inclusive behaviors? Those are the things that we hope will help people level up, not simply tenure or choosing to stay in the middle of a storm. So I think it's a great question. I wish I would have planted it myself, but I do view those things a little differently. And I know a a number of leaders who would join me in that perspective. Absolutely. I love that. There's a LinkedIn user here, Tammy Triolo. She says a good leader is about elevating people to their highest potential, even if that potential is outside of the organization. Because you know what happens? They're going to bring that potential somewhere else. So you're actually, right? You're actually planting the seed and you're allowing them to sow somewhere else so they can bring all that amazing good energy there too. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with Tammy. Diddle underscore retweet. (laughs) People first leaders want to elevate people. They want people to unlock their potential, their highest potential. They want people to do the best work of their lives, meaningful work. And if that means that they have grown into a role that's outside of the organization, we don't frown. We cheer that they have found the next tour of duty, if you will, where they can create significant impact. So, Tammy, I don't know you personally, but I totally agree with you and Rochelle in that regard. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you think you would align people strategies to business objectives? Give me an illustration. What do you mean? So when you're aligning, you know, strategies within an organization, you know, and the business already has objectives that they have to meet, how do you bridge the two? Yeah, I think all people objectives or strategies should be linked to a business imperative. Even like from a development perspective, like we develop people because we know that we need leaders for tomorrow. The business imperative is, do we have readiness for leadership? Everything that we do from a people perspective should be linked to a business imperative. And so the way that I'm able to ensure that is like at our organization, we're on a quarterly cadence. First quarter, we talk about people or talent. Second quarter, we talk about long-term strategy. Third quarter, we talk about short-term strategy. Fourth quarter, we do the budget. And that people strategy should be influencing what that long-term or short-term strategy is because it's linked directly to a people imperative. So said differently, I don't think you have a solid or thoughtful people strategy that's not linked to the business. Right. Absolutely. Tammy, again, has a question. Thank you so much, Tammy, for joining in. She's got great questions as well. She says, how you help people exit out of the organization is just as important as how you welcome them in. Tammy, my grandfather would give you a huge hug right now. (laughs) He used to tell us that the only thing more important than the first impression is the last impression. And so often when people are exiting an organization, we use that as an opportunity to make the wrong last impression. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. then they leave and they share that last impression with others. And so at least at Greenhouse, Not only do we prioritize hiring and onboarding, but we also prioritize offboarding. And our thought process is that person may very well end up sitting in an organization that the organization is choosing what hiring software they're going to go with. We want to give them every opportunity to be able to say positive things about Greenhouse. And that starts with 
what kind of experience do they have? So we stood up a team called People Experience that's focused on when people experience greenhouse, what do they experience? Not just while they're here, but also while they're exiting. And the goal there is to be crystal clear is to create these types of experience or these moments that people can not only be excited about, but hopefully great impactful moments that they're willing to share with others that attract others. Absolutely. I love all of it. How do you develop diverse leaders? Differently. Everybody Mm -hmm. has different needs. And so we have to be very intentional in curating development that is tailored to different audiences. What I have found is if you try to choose a one size fits all approach, you will find that some people will thrive in that approach and others won't. Mm -hmm. And it's not a reflection of aptitude or competency, but more reflective of development that has been tailored to people and their strengths and their learning styles. And so the same way I wouldn't give a conductor a rolling pin and I wouldn't give a chef a conductor wand, you have to tailor that development. For us, what we've been trying to do is like uncover through things like focus groups. So our idea team, there's a young lady named Nia Darvel who leads these focus groups and she somewhat helps us unpack what that may look like for different demographic groups. And then that helps aid what our VP of development can then go out and build for different cohorts. Mm. The beautiful thing that we've learned or uncovered is psychological safety is important and these safe spaces are important and where people feel unsafe, they can't retain development. No matter how intentional it was, you have to be able to curate intentional development for them by making sure that the psychological safety is first present. Absolutely. Absolutely. And does the ERG provide, obviously it provides that for them as well. And I think you mentioned something earlier, I might've missed it. You said there's a session where everybody speaks up or speaks out. Yeah. So the, uh, our idea team served as a feedback loop, but the ask me anything's AMAs, they serve as a feedback loop. We also practice radical candor where leaders will meet with a skip level. So not their directs, but directs of their directs. And they anonymize that feedback in order to provide the people leader or the hiring manager with greater insights on what they can be doing differently to create greater impact for their teams. And we practice that all the way up to the CEO. So doing so, just again, it's just another illustration of how we nurture our culture rather dutifully. Absolutely. It's amazing. You know, when we think of Everything really revolves around the top trickling down because that's how everybody is represented is by what is being fed from the top. And it seems like you do a great, you know, Greenhouse does a great job at at doing that. How would you power up this partnership between DEI and HR? And I know we touched upon it a little bit at the beginning of the show. How would you power up this partnership? Yeah. One thing I would say, though, is I actually don't think at Greenhouse it's a trickle down. I think our leaders recognize that we work for them. Like our CEO will tell you, like, he didn't close a deal in the last 60 days. The experts are doing that. The people that are on AEs and AMs and SDRs. He's not the person making certain financial decisions. Those are people on our FP&A team. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's actually an inverted triangle where we feel like our leaders, as leaders, we work for them. And so since we work for them, how do we create conditions or environments in order for them to thrive? That's what's most important. So I think it's more foundational than a trickle down. 
right. as it relates to the pairing of DEI and HR, or for us, the idea team and the people team. You know, we have a phenomenal leader in Jamie Adasi. And there's two things I would say there. One for me, and then I'll say one that I've learned from Jamie. The one that comes from me is that ideas should be baked in everything. Inclusion, diversity, equity, and allies should be baked in everything that we do. It's not a checklist. It's not a checkbox. For companies that are people first, it has to be baked in. So like things like return to office, I can tell that return to office did not have an idea lens for many companies. Because mm-hmm. if it did, they would have realized people with disabilities thrive during the pandemic. The other thing that we realized is that moms, working moms thrived in the pandemic. And so this idea of forcing people to go back to the office is actually, uh, it might have good intentions, but has bad execution because it doesn't have an idea lens to it. The second thing that I would say that I learned from Jamie Adasi is the importance of support. And businesses have to support for us idea or DEI efforts. Those things are super important. If you're not supporting those teams, and I don't mean support with lip service, I mean support with tangible dollars, relationships, having the right tools, giving them the right opportunities and platforms to create the impact needed. If we're not doing that, then it's going to fall on deaf ears. Right. Absolutely. There are two questions I have here and or two comments. First, Tammy says, please, for everything holy, remove DI from under HR. What would you say to that? I think what she is saying is, for, and I don't want to put words in Tammy's mouth because I've never met her. <laughs> but I think what she is saying is that for so long, DEI has not received the support needed in order to be as impactful because it has sat underneath HR leaders who have not seen the prioritization or the impact that those teams can make. And so I think as a result, what ends up happening is they don't receive the support needed. At least for our teams, like if you go talk to Jamie Adasi, like idea does sit underneath the people team. And one of my favorite things that she's told me, and she says she feels more supported now than she's probably ever been in her career. So I don't think it's reflective of where the team sits. I think it's reflective of the leader that they're supposed to have as a shepherd, helping mm. them create an impact. If you have the wrong shepherd, the flock will tell. And so you have to be able to make sure that regardless of where it sits, I have friends that report directly to the CEO and their DEI leaders. And they struggle because there's no oxygen in the room. In that regard, they have the wrong shepherd. Or the shepherd could be navigating life a little differently. So I think it's more about that as opposed to reporting structure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Christopher, again, he says here, are your ERG part of the business strategy? Do leaders, you want to do one question at a time? (laughs) He's got a lot of good questions, Christopher. So are your ERG part of the business strategy? Yes, Arbors. We call ours Arbors. I know companies like Salesforce calls theirs Ohana's, but Arbors are part of our business strategy. Absolutely. And it's also part of our annual OKR. So when we talk about our objectives and key results, our workforce diversity goals are baked in there. It is a business imperative. So yes. Yes. And he asked, do leaders ask the groups to give ideas for business opportunities, making them more of a BERG, business employee resources group? That's a great question. Not only do our leaders ask, all of our arbors have executive leadership representation as the executive sponsor. So our ELT is active. That's another sign of a people first culture is 
if your executives tell you that diversity, equity, and inclusion are important, and then you go to the highest points of the organization and you don't see active participation, well, there might be an opportunity there. At least here at the highest levels of our organization, our executive sponsors are active members and active participants of such arbors and thusly, yes, create a direct feedback loop. We're also in a unique position because it's hiring software, right? So we recognize if we want to continue to help other companies create impact in their diverse hiring, well, we should be listening to our diverse employees to help us influence that product roadmap. So, yes. Absolutely. I love that. There are so many more questions. We can continue going for quite a while. Christopher says, flowers again. Soon you will have a garden, my friend. (laughs) I really appreciate that. We're all planting seeds. And Rochelle, thank you for planting a seed for all of us to talk about how diversity truly connects us. Like, again, I can't thank you enough. I lost my grandmother earlier this year and she did not have this type of opportunity. There was no spaces like this, especially in shared spaces in digital platforms. So thank you for you and the work that you're doing and the impact that you're making. And please continue to create oxygen for others the way that I know that you've created oxygen for me today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Oh, you're making me teary-eyed. Thank you so much for those parting words. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the platform today. As we reach the top of the Diversity Connects Us Hour, I want to thank you all for listening. This podcast highlights lived experiences and inspirational stories of strength and tenacity. We share profound and courageous dialogues that influence DEI and emotional intelligence by breaking the barriers and labels of stereotypes, confronting biases, and offering best practices to achieve a more and significant cultural mindset. Stay tuned as we continue to share our voices in the DEI space. To trend with us, hashtag diversity connects us.